Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. I'm Jo. And I'm Jerry, and welcome back to Series 4. Last podcast, we were looking at social work um, support to people through their life course. So we looked at retirement. And this second podcast of the month, we are looking at another big issue to consider it from a social work point of view. So last time we did this, we looked at colonialism. That Uh, was a doozy. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That That was a big topic. We've got populism today. I think it might be similarly challenging. Yes. Uh, just want to say thank you to all those who've liked us on Facebook and shared us on Twitter. And we're just coming up to 45,000 downloads. And I had a look at some of the towns and cities that people are in. So in the United States, the five um, biggest places for downloads are Salt Lake City in Utah, New York, Los Angeles, Philadelphia and Chicago. Okay. And in the UK, it's London, Manchester, Bristol, Cambridge and Sheffield. Oh. That's very nice of all the people that are listening to us in those cities. Yeah, um, and and all the others as well. Um, yeah. So t- do um, let us know what you think of the podcasts. Uh, you can leave a comment on www.helpfulsocialwork.com or you can comment on iTunes or on our Facebook page, Helpful Social Work Podcast. Ah, yes. And today, we, as Jerry has said already, we're going to be tackling populism. Um, And as usual, we'll start out with a few definitions. So a political philosophy supporting the rights and power of people in their struggles against the privileged elite and the movement organised around this philosophy. Um, And it's from the word for people. So it's, um, yeah, and and I've been reading a really interesting book uh, called A Short Introduction to Populism. And... um, they kind of say that there is it is contested it's not it's not um you know uh, accepted as 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 a as a philosophy by everybody populism so yeah but it's the idea that society is separated into two groups that are at odds with one another and um it's very much about the idea of the pure people and the corrupt elite and as i said it's by Cass Mudd, who um is the author of this book i've been reading and really interestingly, populist parties can be anywhere on the political spectrum. And because it's um, a derogatory term that is employed by opposing political parties against each other, we've, we've got the spectacle of seeing both Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson claiming to be for the man in the street and at the same time accusing each other of populism. So, um, and of course, um, Donald Trump um, claims very successfully to be for the people um, and therefore um, attracts that tag of, you know, being a populist. Uh, currently, there tends to be more far-right populists in in the EU um, and in, that, in a kind of Western democracy, although in Latin America they've often been to the left, and it hasn't always been so. Um, it's really mixed, and, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is really mixed, and it's a and like I said, for me, it's the really interesting thing is it's kind of a derogatory term, which is strange because it's for the people, the pure people. You know, that's what it's meant to be. Um, so it's interesting the way that it's used, and there's kind of several um, traits um, associated with populism politics, and, and one I think is um, bad manners. 
or a better way to put it would be you can say it like it is regardless of who it offends. So it comes across as, you know, I am fearless, I am strong, I'm going to stick up for you regardless of who I offend. Um, and the speeches are often calculated to offend the elite um, and to and to rise, raise emotion. That's that's one of the really important things about populism is that the truths of it have to be felt really strongly by their supporters. And there's a belief that if I feel it, it must be true. Yeah, you just made me think actually of the um, the Gettysburg Address that Abraham Lincoln gave, where it says, um, "I'm going to try and get this right: government of the people, by the people, for the people." For the people. Yep. Which is amazing, and you know, almost kind of you can't argue with it. Um, and then it's like, well, what what does that mean? Who are the people? And yeah. can it be everyone? And generally, it hasn't been, has it? So that's where a lot of these arguments come about. And I had a little look at the history. So the term populism kind of started in the 19th century and it was used by members of the People's Party in the United States and also a group called the Narodniki in Russian Empire. And Narod means the folk or the, you know, the, 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 the real people that kind of, um, it's, it's not really a properly good translation. Folk is probably the closest. Mm. And then, they, so they were using it about themselves, but like you say, often it's used to define others. And mm. from the kind of 50s of last century, the 20th century, grew in popularity. But I think it's a really ancient idea, isn't it? That um, for you know, periods of history that I've studied, there's been popular revolts and uprisings against the the court or the corrupt officials and this idea mm. of evil advisors leading the country astray um, and the idea of the purity of the the ordinary people in you know in heavily commered ordinary uh, yes yeah the concept of people is a made up one actually you know because it's impossible to represent all the divergent views and beliefs of a large group of individuals even if they see, are seemingly united against an issue but but the important thing is that they have to be united against the concept of corruption of power that's really that's the really the big thing is that there has to be a perception that the political elite are able to are not accountable that they're just able to transcend all laws and rules and um, act only in their own interests so they're acting against the interests of everyone else it's costing the people and the people see that there's no structures set up to um, make that fair. Yeah, so it seems like there is a growth in it at the moment. And actually that might be tied into other kind of challenges against people who've um, traditionally had power and have mm. been known to abuse it. So we did have a big scandal in the United Kingdom about parliamentary expenses. Yes. Um, there's been attacks on you know, press elite, on um, mm. you know, male elites in kind of entertainment industry in all sorts of yeah. places church elites and, mm. and there's a kind of big some of the in, in, in politics so, you know there has been the, the popular often right-wing parties across western europe um people attacking you know, politicians attacking the idea of experts in the uk the tea party movement in the usa left-wing parties in latin america and so there's 
there's a lot of it about seems to be and there's also a really interesting element of it which is if you're trying to say who the people are then you can also be really exclusionary so there's there can be kind of anti-immigration or anti or racist ideas in there yeah it's that real idea isn't it of um if you're not for me you're against me it's very polarizing how how it's used um and that's and that's um that's part of the problem with it i think is that you know that kind of it's it's almost to me it's a form of um elitism in itself Mm. it's interesting isn't it yeah as soon as you start claiming a special status of whatever kind Mm. you're at risk of abuse of power yeah um I also found out that in 2017, populism was the Cambridge Dictionary Word of the Year. Fantastic. Which is a a little bit of a barometer. Well, they look at the most searched for words and also words that suddenly spike. So it's interesting to see what made people look up populism so much that year. And it was when Donald Trump was sworn in. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so uh, when that happened, searches for the word inauguration spiked and so to search for the word populism but mm. also at the same time pope francis who was a reasonably new pope was warning against the rising tide of populism in a european interview that was really widely reported um, and it did the same again in a german newspaper a bit later so populism spiked again so it kind of it's really interesting isn't it what makes people what events make people think of this phenomenon mm. because it's such a vague and ambiguous concept in lots of ways yeah. For me, the, the ever-increasing amounts of information, choice and responsibility on us is, is part of what drives populism. I, I feel that people hark back to a time when things were simpler and everyone knew their place and the world made sense. And, I mean, we know, you, you study history, you know that there has never been a time like that. But we all think there was, don't we? We all look back to when our life was simpler and um, this almost incessant communication via social media and mainstream news channels, I think, can make the world seem like a very unsafe place. And and so there you are, kind of positioned to feel unsafe and anxious and not trusting, not knowing who you can trust or believe, um, and probably, you know, the um, the financial crisis hasn't helped either because the resources feel strained. Um, and so enter stage right, the populist politician. They offer very little in terms of nuance. So they operate as a strong, lone voice willing to take on the establishment, you know, which is which they then say is the cause of people's woes. And what I find fascinating about all of this is they are necessarily of the establishment, you know, to, to function well as a politician, you need to be able to be part of the establishment. But they set themselves up in oppositions to the checks and balance of power and they portray themselves as the only one able to respond to the crisis. And the other really fascinating thing about this is the crises are often created by the politician, by the populist, um, to keep people in a state of anxiety because it's that anxiety that gives them the opportunity to to present themselves as the answer. So it's kind of a, a bit of a vicious circle that you get into. Um, you know, that's Donald Trump. You know, impeachment, the impeachment is a gift for him. 
because it keeps him firmly on the side of the people against the political machine. Yeah, we're recording this two days after the floor vote on impeachment. So by the time this comes out, who knows where that will be? It is really interesting, isn't it, that some of those checks and balances can be seen as um, attacks rather than as you know, agreed rule of law that applies to everyone. And that, and that is a real matter of opinion, isn't it? You know, um, one person's kind of safety net is another person's attack. So, And this is um, one of the preconditions that enable populism to th- flourish. There's got to be a perception that the system is corrupt combined with a belief that the elite are not listening and these are inter- intertwined. So there's a there's a strong perception that the elite run the system for their own gain they're not interested in changing it for the good of many and that scandal after scandal occurs and there is no perceived consequence that's that's a really important um uh kind of pot for populism to brew in yes because some of those factors that make it popular like why is populism popular i mean i guess partly it's popular because it's the people and there's a lot of people and you know there's always a a chance that that kind of idea of you know what about us and you look at them that that minority over there who are seeming to have it good um yeah that will there's always a chance that that will rise up i think it kind of becomes more likely when there's like you say when there's scarcity Mm. so historically revolts kind of happen when the harvest has been bad that's a bit of a kind of rule of thumb but it's always mm. worth looking at what the economic circumstances are. And and they do thrive on an, a, a sense or a reality of injustice. And we do have mm. a lot of inequality at the moment or a feeling of missing out. So some of it is perceptual, like how how things are reported. So the media has a role in that. And particularly when there's overemphasis on things or there's attacks and all things are presented as dangerous. So immigration can be reported as, as something that we need to be frightened of. And that can make people yeah, want to assert their rights. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of psychology to it, isn't there? It's um, it's a very masterful. Um, I mean, maybe manipulation is the is the wrong word, but I, I feel that for a lot of for a lot of the the leaders who are exploiting populism, I feel that it is a very manipulative approach to um, helping people get what they want because it really does rely on keeping people in an unsettled and aroused state um, and and it lacks it lacks nuance and compromise um, so yeah, but it is a seductive argument, isn't it um and as a person who believes in systemic change, I can see why people are beguiled into believing that wrongs can be righted by one brave and charismatic person taking the system on. Um, it's really, it's a really nice idea, isn't it, that a strong, heroic person can just come along and fix everything. Yep. But however... Dangerous, though. Yeah, and, and also just... We live in a multicultural global earth... Um, and this idea that if you're not for me, you're against me, it just doesn't make sense. We, we need consensus to act responsibly for the whole human race. Um, you know, we stand on one earth and that earth requires care and attention. And I just think 
that too many of the big issues of today really need joined up thinking and cooperation to have to enable them to be solved. And that's where populism politics, where populist politics falls short um, because it, it, it needs something to keep fighting against. So it, it's not really there to fix the system. It's there to keep challenging the system. And so, and it's locked into a win-lose scenario. And once one thing is won, then you've got to identify the next fight. And, and so it makes the world very binary. And, and, and for me, we need to actually, we, we need to understand that these big issues mm. take consensus and and need to be made not for people now but into the future because we need to have investment for future generations. So, Yeah, there isn't really a, a quick fix. Again, that's a seductive no. thing, isn't it, to think, oh, well, someone can just come in and sort it out um, because all these complex problems require really long, sustained, collaborative work, like you say. Yeah, and we have so many facing us, thorny issues like poverty, social mobility, immigration, climate justice, homelessness, equal access to quality education for all, racism, all of those things actually need all of the political parties to work together and need everyone's voices to be compromising and we all need to be willing to lose a little to gain. Yes, and to not see it as losing because of the thing that we gain. You're right, it's that mm. kind of pooling of resources. So I was thinking about how we respond to populism, what the, the alternative message is, and I think I started with thinking about human rights for everyone, you know, that no one's human rights um, mm. are independent of other people's. And some of those are ways of having discussions that counter this, so freedom of speech and voting and assembly um, but also the social rights that mean that people can actually um, live out their lives and contribute mm. and I think we do need to acknowledge that some people are losers in our current system um, absolutely and will certainly many people will feel that and so you know the, the gains in productivity and quality, and quality of life haven't fallen evenly and mm. the issues that you've just talked about also don't affect communities equally mm. so we do need to acknowledge that and recognize that's a, re a real thing and then act again act to kind of overcome it so there are lots of i was thinking that you know a lot of those things arise from concentrations of power mm. whether that's market share for particular businesses or um vote share for particular parties or um social rights being you know unfairly distributed um certainly income, uh, housing, things like that in our country. So actually trying to overcome some of those, essentially while we're living in a market system, these are market failures. They mean that some people have a massive head start on others. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that market is perceived to be running for the good of the elite, yeah. which, is, which is one of those preconditions for populism. Yeah. And also that kind of those benefits are passed on. Yes. which is where the social mobility issues hit. So you need to have redistribution and, and inter in 
interventions to to fix some of those really big problems like Absolutely. concentration of housing um, and you also need a really strong safety net and this is where social work comes in i mm. think jerry because if you look just look at you know what social work is a practice-based profession and an academic discipline that promotes social change and development social cohesion and the empowerment and liberation of people god i love that mm. principles of social justice human rights collective responsibility and respect for diversities are central to social work you know it's almost as if social work is the opposite of populism isn't it it, that yes, it does feel that way the to me. Antidote, maybe. Yes, yeah, at the bridge, you know, because actually, we're ideally placed to mediate between the people and the elite, if that's how we want to see it, or the systems. We're ideally placed to mediate between systems, you know, and it says that social work in its various forms address the multiple complex transactions between people and their environments, and that's exactly what populism misses is the um, complexity and the richness of the transactions because it's all about the feeling of, of um, lack or loss or, or missing out. Um, so I think for, for social work, we need to find a way to be part of that bridge and to remain impartial, I guess, yeah, I think there's some really important social work behaviours here as well, aren't there? I mean, there's 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 thing there's goals that we have, mm. a purpose that we have, but there's also the way that we relate to people that is anti-populist. So we we listen to people, mm. we um, accept their perception, and we're also able to be critically reflective about it and mm. challenge it. This is I'm talking about, you know, in the ideal circumstances. Yes. Um, and challenge it in a respectful way without attacking the person. And we're able to hold the uncertainty of these really big questions. So the things that people feel really strongly about that they want resolved mm. um, to kind of hang in there and, and keep working and keep influencing mm. uh, without giving up. All yep. of these things are behaviors that we need but they're also modeling of how we'd hope there was actually a thing in the um in the global conference in the summer which was held in austria where there was about to be a, um, a presidential election so there was quite a lot of populism around um mm. one of the speakers said you know social workers try to um speak respectfully and recognize the dignity of, of all people and we'd like politicians to be more like social workers so there is a role modeling element isn't there absolutely i think there is and there's also a practical element um, to social work which is because part of what's happening in populism is that perceived lack of um, resources and opportunities that um, people are receiving and and part of what we do in social work is you know our mission is to enable all people to develop their full potential enrich their lives and some of that is through us helping a redistribution um, of resources. So that's part of what we do practically too. 
um, particularly in, you know, you think about children and families social work, we're spending some of our time thinking about how those families are managing the resources they have, how we can help them maximise those resources, how we can help them um, move into communities or neighbourhoods where they feel safe, where they're able to thrive, how we can help them get access to education, which is helpful for them. Think about children with disabilities, making sure that they can um, get all the resources they need to allow them to reach their full potential. So social workers are practically um, altering the existing distribution of resources and activities um, and, and also creating um, strong interpersonal connections um, and, and strengthening communities. We're really part of that effort. Yeah, because our communities are really polarised, aren't they? I mean, the, the social workers who listen to this podcast are largely based either in the UK or in the US. And if you look mm. at both of the voting maps in those countries, it is really, um, it's really evident that, you know, yes. Um, the vote might be mixed across different places, but there are places that are in our country all, all blue, all red, all yellow yeah, <laughs> um, for the S&P, all, um, you know, all green. So we've got mm. a real kind of patchwork. And so bridging those communities and making sure that the people who whose voices wouldn't be heard, wouldn't be represented in quite the same way because they don't mm. have an MP from their party or a um, representative from their party actually are still heard and the mm. the other thing that i think is really important in the political debate that social workers can influence is getting the balance right between acknowledging the complexity of the things that we want so the 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 basswood general election manifesto had you know eight things that social workers have said are really important to them which included things for social workers like working conditions but also social matters like the you know, ending the impact of austerity supporting people to have appropriate homes and all of these are complex things that require a lot of work and we can't yeah. reduce to simple sort of slogans no nope. however if we go on and on about how complex they are people get despondent so there's a way that we frame these things um and I've mentioned before, Joseph Roundtree Foundation have done lots of work around poverty mm. and that kind of framing of don't present just loads of facts. Um, understand how people think about these complex problems and the beliefs and assumptions that lie behind that, but also look for the other beliefs and assumptions, the sort of hopeful ones, mm. the aspirational ones, um, and tap into those to tell a, essentially a story of of the path out of this problem and into yes. something better. Um, so not not making it too simple, but saying these are this is the way we can go and the value of where we're going to. There's a fabulous book, Jerry, called Factfulness. Have you come across that? Factfulness. I have, yeah, yeah. That is a great book for putting a hopeful and factful perspective on our human trajectory. You know, because it really starts to challenge the statistics that can be manipulated to make things seem hopeless or to make things seem like everything's getting worse. Whereas, as a matter of fact, across the world, we as a species, we're doing better. You know, there's so many ways in which distribution is being improved across the globe. Um, there's so many more education opportunities 
for many, many more people. There's a lot of really good things that are happening and they're happening because people identified those huge thorny issues and then determinedly, step by step, started working their way through them. And for me, one of the amazing things about social work is the the privilege we are offered to actually take really hard journeys with people step by step by step. Um, and that is, that's quite a thing to be able to do. And so we see that kind of um, action that needs to happen for the big thorny issues. We see them in, in microcosms, don't we? In individual families with individual people, because it takes a lot of courage to grab opportunities and to make change. It's not simple. It takes discipline. It takes self-belief. It takes overcoming fear and old habits. And, and so we actually know all about how to make huge and difficult change as well. Um, so we're ideally placed, I think, to do that on a bigger level. Yeah, particularly as a global profession. Yep. Yeah. So there are those two, two strands then, as there always are to these big issues. There's the individual practice, how we are respectful and uphold rights and challenge issues that, you know, um, sort of contextual things and also attitudes that, that, that attack people's rights. Um, and we work with people to reduce their inequality and build understanding between communities. And then there's also the kind of wider influence of how we can counter these sort of simplistic ideas or these um, win-lose mm. uh, narratives um, or these stereotyping um, and attacks on people and tell us much more interesting story in a way. But you're Absolutely. right, one that um, we've seen all these amazing developments in other in, you know, in parts of the human story. So we can use those as, as examples of how people can come together and collaborate and everyone can benefit together. Absolutely. I mean, for me, I am just passionate about consensus politics now. I just, I believe so strongly that the way forward, particularly really with, um, you know, caring for our earth, which is, you know, this one globe we all stand on, um, we are going to have to do that by a huge state, statesmanship and, and, and determination and cooperation and consensus. And that's going to be, you know, a, a big job, which will probably be done by my lad and others like him. You know, it's going to be done by our children and our children's children. Um, but we're part of. We can certainly cheer people on and we can story. encourage yeah. the, you know, those green shoots around the place now. Uh, I think social workers do have a real encouragement role in this. And hopefulness. I think that's so that's kind of where I, I think I I would like to leave our, us around this is for me the um antidote to to populism is hopefulness. Actually not giving in to despair and fear and those things, but talking well about good differences and the opportunities that we have to make them and the things that we've seen where we've seen great difference. Um, and it's not about being naive or 
idealistic or ignoring the struggles of people, but it's about kind of remembering that, you know, fear, fear is a, a terrible way to live, isn't it? And I think a lot of populism is driven by, by fear. So my reflective questions then would be, what hopefulness have I got? Or where do I find it? And also, how do I tell those stories of hopefulness? Mm. Yeah, and my reflective questions, I, I really thought about this one because when I was reading about this stuff, I thought, oh, because, you know, I can be the people. I've got that in me, that kind of, you know, injustice and, you know, this government or that thing. And, you know, so I thought, well, do I see myself as one of the people? And sometimes I see myself as one of the elite. You know, how do we position ourselves and how do we understand the stories we tell ourselves and the way we represent ourselves? And then then that made me think, okay, well, how can I model a nuanced response to people whose ideas I do not agree with? Because surely, unless we're able to do that, we can't get the full meaning and strength of their story. Therefore, there's no chance of um, compromise or collaboration, really. Thank you so much, Jo. That's my pleasure. That was really interesting, Jerry. I, I really love this series. I hope everyone else has too, because it's um, it's fantastic as a social worker to really think about the um, big cogs that make our society operate. It's a it's a really it's a really great opportunity. So thank you. Thanks. Take care. See you later.